You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members for members. In Season 5, members discuss behavior with Alexis Hennessy. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back. This week with me, I have Ashley Scott, who is a school psychologist by training um, and is currently this year supporting a lot in the realm of behavior. And uh, she works primarily in an elementary school in the Bethel School District. But I'm going to let Ashley go ahead and introduce um, yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about what you do or how you got to what you do. Okay. Hello. Yes, um, I am Ashley Scott, and I am a school psychologist by training. Um, This is going to be my 12th year in Bethel, so I've been here quite a while. Um, I started out in Bethel as what many would consider a typical itinerant school psychology role, um, where I had multiple buildings, and I focused mostly on special education evaluations and consultation with teachers. All those reports. Yep. Around a lot. (laughs) I would say mostly academic type interventions. Um, About six years ago, um, we had a school counselor vacancy and I convinced the principal of this elementary school to hire a school psychologist myself instead to fill the role of the school counselor and the school psychologist. So kind of a a hybrid role. Um, I am primarily in one elementary school. Um, I do support other buildings as needed, but my primary job right now is really supporting student behavior. And I wouldn't say necessarily that I'm doing this because there's, of course, there is a need for um, more staff to be supporting behavior, which might be outside of their scope of practice, but it's actually kind of um, something I'm very, very interested in and more of an area that I find to be more skilled at is helping with de-escalation and supporting students with behaviors of concern. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all that. I think that it's, um, I think there's two things there. I think it's often forgotten that school psychologists can provide direct service, can do counseling. Um, I've mentioned in a couple of the other episodes, but I moved here from out of state. So I'm, I'm not a born and bred, you know, Oregon educator. I, I worked in other systems first. And that was one of the most shocking things when I got here was kind of what the role of folks within schools look like, the way that we ask our school, school psychologists to support um, schools, the way that we even ask special ed teachers to case manage, right? There were a lot of things that are different from state to state, different from system to mm-hmm. system, but the lack of school psychologists providing kind of direct service to kids in this capacity was something that was very interesting to me. Um, so it's interesting to hear that you kind of had to convince someone to let you give this a try, because I think in other places, it's a pretty common split of the role, a little bit of testing, evaluation, assessment, mm-hmm. you know, academic intervention type identification, and some direct service and work with kids in de-escalation, you know, uh, emotional regulation, that kind of thing. So I'm excited to hear more about what that looks like for you. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of what the average day in your life looks like. What what do you do? Obviously, you've got testing and evaluation that has to happen, you know, in alignment with, with law around that. But um, outside of kind of some of that eligibility testing, what does your average day look like? 
<laughs> average day. That's um, a <laughs> phrase. Um, so I start my day by um, actually welcoming students into the building. So I find it really important to, we have, I think, roughly 350 students. I would say I probably know at least 300 by name. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I feel like that's a really important piece to starting off yeah. a successful day. So um, I do greet every student in the morning um, by name as much as possible. And my office is a space where students come and maybe check in with me in the morning um, for those mm-hmm. that are on behavior support plans. Um, we have a school counselor also. So um, awesome. we are fortunate to have me, a school psychologist, a little bit of school counseling, and then a mm-hmm. school counselor as well. Um, so we support um, a lot of the behavioral intervention systems in terms of like check in, check out. Um, right. A lot of those tiered interventions like PBIS style. Yeah. I manage um, all of the behavior support plans. So I'm more of a tier okay. three specialist. Um <laughs> I also help a lot with special education. So I support all of the students with behavior goals, social emotional goals um, that are on IEPs. Um, So some of that looks like running some small groups around um, self-regulation. We use zones of regulation in our Mm -hmm. brain as a supplemental social emotional learning curriculum. Um, And we've done this for a number of years. It's been really successful because it's language students can understand Mm-hmm. families are starting to use as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually do some whole class lessons around whatever yes. the need is. Last year, um, you might find me in a classroom teaching about the blue zone or yellow mm-hmm. zone strategies. Um, I just finished teaching a lesson around conflict resolution. Um, yes. Whatever the students are needing and we're seeing kind of some trends in our building, that's kind of where I put myself. Um, I do have a lot of flexibility with my role. And then I spend a lot of times in the hallways, in classrooms, supporting mm-hmm. any sort of escalations that are occurring in the moment. Um, yeah. Recess, um, <laughs> filling in any empty spots that we don't <laughs> and have. And other duties as assigned this year. Yeah, filling in, filling in where everything needs to yeah. be. So <laughs> it's a common saying, theme across the podcast, yeah. other duties as assigned. Nothing looks... <laughs> very typical or average, especially this year and last yeah. year. They just look different from previous years. Um, well, I think the needs have been different, right? So it's, it's it's adapting to the needs that the learners put in front of us, what the students are needing in a day to be in that space of regulation, that space of able to access education. And I think that's often what people forget in the moment, right? It's really easy to have a conversation um, about that when you're removed from it, when you're sitting with a bunch of staff, when you're talking with a parent. But in that moment, I think it's really hard to remember that accessing education is not always about sitting down and doing a math worksheet or counting some blocks or, you know, pumping out a five paragraph essay, right? Sometimes there is a need to to regulate. There's a need to be present first. And so I heard you say that you're very responsive to the needs of the students in the building and, and, you know, picking out lessons um, from zones of regulation and others to really target some of those skills. So can you tell me more about that? What are the types of skills that you kind of provide that direct instruction on and, and what's the benefit you're seeing there? Yeah. So, um, there, there's kind of like, I would say looking at all of the tiers. So at tier one, we do like, I'll provide the whole group lessons. Mm -hmm. Our teachers are also teaching social emotional learning curriculum as well. 
So I'm just kind of like a supplement to that. Um, and then tier two looks more like social skills. So I might have a group of kiddos who are working on um, how to handle frustrations. Uh-huh. And so we might talk a lot about different frustrations that come up for us or things that um, are happening, whether it's at home or at school or what mm-hmm. we can do to kind of what what kind of tools do we have in our toolbox to manage these frustrations? Yeah, um, we use tools a lot, so they know that Mrs. Scott's always talking about tools and zones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you know, there's some kids that need more like one-on-one individual coaching, which mm-hmm. might look like me actually walking through with them how to take an appropriate break. And we yeah. only do this the practice when they are calm. Um, and we practice this often so that it becomes more of something that's ingrained so that when you are frustrated, you yeah. know how to self-regulate and you're not trying to figure out which tools to use. You already know how to do it because you've been practicing doing it. Um, yeah, I love that you're highlighting that because I think it's so common for people to try to teach a regulation skill in a moment of dysregulation and go like, well, we're going to do this breathing technique. And it's something the kid has never seen before. They've never heard before. They have no idea what you're walking them into. They're like a breathing technique. Like, what did we, what had, what happened? I'm angry. I don't want to breathe, you know, like, um, and forgetting that kind of, we need to proactively teach those things to all students, but then also specifically, again, repeated instruction to specific students who we know are going to have a harder time accessing those skills. Um, And I think that, you know, it's interesting how many people will admit like, you know, I didn't even think of it that way. Like, I didn't even think about the fact that I have to explicitly teach this kid multiple times over. And so sometimes putting it in that practice of like, well, if we were teaching a new math skill, would we just give them the test in the moment and then say like, well, here's how you do it? Or would we repeatedly practice the the, the skill first before asking them to use it, you know, in a, in a word problem. Um, and, and somehow when you break it down like that, it seems like people go, Oh yeah, I didn't think of it that way. So do you find that that's true when you're um, coaching people or working with people that there just is this moment where somehow our brain doesn't really register that regulation skills are still skills that need to be taught and practiced, even though we kind of expect kids to just have them, right? Mm-hmm. There seems to be this thing in our brain that just sort of expects that children come with these skills. Absolutely. And I also think um, another thing that I've noticed is with the pandemic, there were a lot of lost skills, not just in terms of like academics um, and educational skills, but like kids are relearning how to be students in public school. They're relearning how to interact with others. They're relearning how to self-regulate. And one thing that we've noticed in our building is just We can't teach our building expectations at the beginning of the year. We have to teach them multiple times throughout the year. Teach, reteach, repeat, reteach. Yeah. Constantly. Um, I know that drill. (laughs) So you might see a fourth grader right now showing skills um, in terms of self-regulation that you might see from a first grader. And I would say Mm -hmm. that's no longer considered atypical. That's kind of where we're at. Um, Well, it's interesting to see which kids were really impacted and which kids thrived, right? And so for every kid that thrived during that distance learning and came back with skills that seem seemingly came out of nowhere. And you're like, wow, I don't know how you learned that behind a computer. You know, there are equally kids who had skills pre uh, distance learning that came back and you expected them to be intact or hoped that they were intact and really 
kind of they weren't right so there's it's it's not really predictable you can't you can't look at a kid pre-pandemic pre-distance learning and and predict what they were going to come back to us with and that that's really hard to navigate and and really honestly hard to assess right it's, it's hard to gauge mm-hmm. um and i would say too like um like along those lines teachers now have this huge discrepancy with student skills in terms of just social skills or regulation so I mean, exactly like you said, there's students that are coming up with skills you never expected and students that are having a lot more lagging skills than you expected. I think there's a lot more discrepancy between our student populations, even within a classroom. How are you seeing that present, particularly in our younger set, right? Like our kinders and first who didn't get any access to school, maybe didn't get preschool access because they were they were toddlers of the pandemic, right? What is that looking like? And I, I reference this by saying like kindergarten looked a lot different when I was in kindergarten than it does now right? The, the bar for kindergarten when I was a kid was, you know, letter people. I might be dating myself. Maybe y'all listening are not going to know what those mm-hmm. are, but there were literal blow up people letters on the wall that each had a little song that went with them. And, you know, we spent time playing and we spent time learning how to play with each other and learning how to share. Kindergarten has changed a lot since, since you know, my day in <laughs> kindergarten. Um, how, how is that looking these days? What are, what are you finding with that younger set who were really very impacted by the pandemic? Yeah, I would say that um, kindergarten is hard. It's definitely a grade mm-hmm. that, like, one that I would not want to teach because um, you are... Yeah, kudos to all those kinder teachers out there, by the yes. way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, um, I, like, there is such a discrepancy in skills, and you can tell some kids, you know, did have some preschool experiences, but a lot of them didn't. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I'm noticing that we haven't seen in the past is a tendency to react um, with like fight or flight, um, Mm -hmm. almost any situation. Very quickly, Um, right? Like, yes. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. a lot of unpredictable behavior. Um, We're seeing a lot more eloping from kindergartners Mm -hmm. than we've seen in the past. And I don't know where they're going. They're just getting out of this environment. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that there is more unsafe behavior than we've seen before. And again, I think it goes back to just those you know, how you're reacting to what's going on in your environment and um, whether or not even basic needs are being met. Um, I think a lot of families are struggling with that right now. And so I think behaviors are stemming from a lot of things that are not happening um, even outside of school. Yeah. Well, and I do think there's some natural contingencies at play, right? Which is like, if you were a kid at home via distance learning and your parents were also working at home and you were not in, you know, online school, right? You were, you were just home. Uh, There's a lot of attention given to you for a really long period of time, just by nature of being home with your parents for, you know, years, essentially. Um, And to kind of withdraw that and then have to share attention with one teacher and maybe, you know, an EA or someone, right? Which I know not all kinder teachers are even lucky enough to have an Mm -hmm. assistant in their classroom. But um, that is a pretty drastic shift, kind of contextually, right? Like my environment changed, not only from the comforts of my home, but also I have to share attention with these potentially 25 to 30 other humans that also are learning how to share attention. That's, that's a lot of demand on those kiddos. So I could see where it's um, presenting as behavior and running out of the classroom and things like that, that are kind of 
coping skills that they've maladaptively created, right? Mm-hmm. They, they just got them out of nowhere. Do you spend well, a lot of time doing some direct teaching with that that set, that kinder? Are you pushing in and working with the teacher? Or? I would say with kindergarten and first grade, especially, um, even maybe more so with first grade. Um, but yes, I do see, um, yeah, they're not just, and it's a long day. It's a long day. Yeah. The academics are rigorous, um, yeah. maybe too rigorous in my opinion. Um but yeah, I wish we could bring back more play. We need to teach yeah. more play. Um, we need to teach more how to interact with each other. Um, kids are not able to sit still very long, um, but we're expecting that. Um, yeah. I so, think those zones lessons are a really good place too to even huh? role play and teach those play skills and those personal interaction skills via some of those lessons around emotional vocabulary and emotional regulation. Um, do you have a favorite lesson that you teach? You know, something that's like the, the favorite one, either because you really enjoy the lesson or just you really enjoy the responses from the kids. I find sometimes that working in, you know, teaching regulation skills, you get some really fun and unique answers from the kids around things. Um, I would say... One of my favorite lessons to teach is part of the zones of regulation curriculum. And it's about um, using your inner coach because Mm -hmm. I think students don't realize that they have this voice in their head that's either Mm -hmm. encouraging them or discouraging them from doing something. Um, And I think really tapping into that resource can be really helpful and just hearing some of their the ways that they bring each other up and that they bring themselves up um, is pretty amazing. And I think yeah. um, I don't ever skip that lesson um, because I think it Did is, yeah, it's a, it's a tool that we can always use no matter where we are. I mean, I um, think there are lots of adults that could probably use that lesson these days, post-distance post working, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, like the inner monologue should stay inner sometimes because there's no mute button on Zoom. (laughs) Um, And we laugh, but I think that some adults lost skills in these areas too when they became sheltered, and especially if they were in individuals living by themselves during the pandemic, right? If that was the context, I think it's so hard to recognize our own place in behavior and regulation, right? And what we as adults are contributing to the situation. So I, you know, I laugh and I joke, but I do think that there's been some adult regression of skill naturally because of the pandemic. And, and I think adults are working on regaining some of that composure and ability to really be present for a kid during their time of, of stress. Um, How are you helping to support adults in your space, kind of the the educators who may or may not already have a bag of tricks around behavior, right? Um, I've spoken in other episodes about how, you know, it's not like there's some massive amount of coursework on behavior and classroom management and regulation. So how are you providing support to the adults in your space? Yeah, um, Alexa, I really appreciate you touching on staff because I think a lot of times we don't acknowledge the needs of our mm-hmm. staff. Um, and we created a staff break room that is separate awesome. from the staff lounge where staff yeah. is, um, with similar tools that we would provide for students. Because sometimes when you, have, when you need a break, you need a break. Um, they apply across the ages. I love it. Right? Um, so not that we're like teaching students or staff how to self-regulate. <laughs> you do square breathing <laughs> with your adults. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... The other thing that, I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm not in a billion meetings, like I'll have a line of teachers like at my door just asking for support. Um, We use our cell phones a lot. um, And so anytime, like I just encourage staff, like text me if you just need to step out and like 
get a drink of water, take a bathroom break, text me because you're the allowed. The art of the tap out is I don't know why we have to give people such high levels of permission. If you're listening right now, like know that tapping out is a high level skill that is so honored. Like if you know you need to step out of a, a situation for the better of the situation for yourself, for the student, for whatever, like do it, please do it folks. Mm-hmm. I love that, that that's something you're providing to them. Cause I think that that's something we don't remind people often enough that it is okay. And in fact, honorable to step out of a situation when you know, you're not being effective or not the most effective for that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, we talk a lot about self-care and it's become this like phrase that mm-hmm. I feel like is taken for granted a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's we all a bubble know. bath and like a glass of wine. That's not what it is. <laughs> we all know what it is. Um, yeah. we just, we're not good at practicing it as educators. Right. Um, and right. so we, um, in our building once a year, we do a full week of self-care activities for staff where we bring like a massage therapist in, um, we do some Fancy. lessons like on <laughs> nutrition and wellness and um, just offering them like an opportunity to kind of maybe relearn how to take care of themselves. Because Great ideas. This is hard work. Mm-hmm. I mean, education itself is hard work, right? Yes. Without, without behavior as a, as a yes. caveat, but then you add in that, that need for the tiny humans to get support and get help, right? And they are, they're just tiny humans that are still learning these skills. I love that you're providing that level of support to your staff. Uh, kudos to you and your program for for prioritizing that and, and making it happen. And I know that for those that are listening, you know, space can be an issue and resources can be an issue, right? So we definitely have to get creative on how we get those things into mm-hmm. Um, our buildings. I'm a huge fan of the uh, like tax exempt donation, right? Like getting folks to account for how much time uh, someone from the community is maybe donating uh, to do these things. But schools are great places for people to donate their time and and resources. So uh, spread the word out there if you're listening or if you're not in education and you're listening, please <laughs> see what it is you can you can do to help support those educators. Um, Ashley, it's been a pleasure to speak with you today. Is there anything else you really wanted to share with our listeners, uh, either about what you do or just about behavior and schools or about the work that's being done around behavior you don't feel Um, we've touched on today no I just I feel like I see a lot of teachers leaving the field and it breaks my Mm -hmm. heart because um I feel like we just need to kind of reframe how we approach education um I think we're kind of at a, a crucial time where maybe our expectations need to change a bit um for teachers and for students um and so I, there's so many gifted educators out there who I want them to feel supported in any way possible. And I recognize it's hard work and we're providing a lot of mental health supports that we didn't sign up to do. Um, but that's just kind of what it is now. Um, and I just, I really want teachers to, you know, give themselves a pat on the back and realize that they're doing the best they possibly can. Um, And we just, you know, we need to rethink how we approach education and make sure we are teaching those basic self-regulation skills. We can't leave it out of the core academics, right? The core academics now include social emotional regulation and uh, learning. Yeah, Ashley, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. I I love hearing about what you're doing. Uh, I know our listeners can't see, but the artwork behind you um, around your zones of regulation poster is awesome to be looking at while while chatting with you this morning. I appreciate you spending time and uh, to the listeners as always. 
please remember that you absolutely cannot take care of our students unless you're taking care of yourself. So take some time to relax, to refresh, to regroup, and to really invest in yourself so that you can be there and be present for your, your colleagues and for your students. And thank you for listening. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit our webpage at grow.oregoned.org.